0: Hello, and welcome to Two Friends Talk History. My name is Ophia, and I'm a public historian fascinated by the exploration of history from researchers, practitioners, academics, and more. With so many interesting things to learn about the past, I'm so glad you're joining me on this journey. With each episode, I invite a guest to discuss aspects of history that they're involved with or curious about, and why it matters in a section called So What?, as a way of thanking members for their support, by joining me on Patreon at Patreon.com/ArcueilArtist, I offer as only extras like additional episode content, bespoke art, all for the cost of a pint or a flat white a month. Thank you to members who have already joined my Patreon. Your support keeps this podcast going and ad-free. All right, let's get to it. Today, I am recording a special episode in person at the British School of Athens, where I'm joined by a new friend of the pod, the fantastic Professor Rebecca Sweetman. A huge welcome to Two Friends Talk History, Rebecca. Thank you very much, Sophia. It's lovely to see you. Rebecca is an expert in Greek and Roman archeology span with a special focus on Roman and late antique Crete and the Peloponnesus. Her work has examined mosaic art and building architecture in the Roman and late antique Crete in Greece. Rebecca's research has covered a wide range of Greek cities and islands to study religion and economy through network analysis. In 2021, she was named the director of the BSA Servant in Athens over the next few years. It is this phase of her work as director that I wanted to interview her about for this episode. Listeners will be familiar with the British School at Athens from previous episodes where I've discussed my fieldwork and the Artist Award in 2020 when I came to stay at this prestigious institute to research for the academic webcomic I'm working on called Ritualia. I am thrilled to be able to return for a short visit during my fieldwork for my thesis here in Greece. I thought it might be fun to throw my mic in my rucksack and do some field interviews while I'm on the road. So today, live from the British School at Athens, an institution with a lot of exciting opportunities I want to hear about all that's going on here at this historic place under your directorship the public engagement you guys are working on and the cool research projects you guys support so it's a wonderful opportunity for listeners who maybe are new to the field of classics who maybe want to get in to do some travel for their research if you want to specialize in pottery analysis and a variety of other field activities there are labs here so there's a lot to talk about and we're going to jump right in the British School of Athens has a lot of events throughout the year, from training programs, field schools, lectures and more. Rebecca, I seem to have arrived on your doorstep at the very moment you're having an exciting public event. <laughs> What's going on today?
1: No, that's true, Sophia. but um, we always love to see our returning visitors and guests. So I'm very pleased to see you uh, here today. So what we're doing is we are doing a behind the scenes look at the BSA where we take visitors who um, may have an affiliation with the bsa so for example we had the ashmolean patrons recently and we take them to see the kind of work that we're doing so uh, we take them to the library to have an idea of the rare books Mm -hmm. um, some of the the ways that the library works so you know to get a sense of what it is to be like a student here we take them up to our small museum to have a look at the material there And into the archive, and everybody loves the archive in particular because it's a wealth of material, personal records, letters, uh, diaries, but it's the photographic material that really grabs people. So we have material that ranges from uh, people's personal excavation archives. So we have material, say, for example, from uh, Sylvia Benton, who excavated on the Polis Cave we have Winifred Lamb's material, and she excavated in Mittellini. Um, we have a, a whole range of material from John Pendlebury, and that's also kind of an exciting range of material because his wife, Hilda Pendlebury, left us the material, but he was killed during the war in Crete, during the German occupation in Crete mm-hmm. by a German soldier. So he was curator at Knossos as well as working here at the BSA to begin with. So we have this range of material that provides insights into the kind of context that people were working in. It's not just yeah. the work that they were doing on site, but the context that they were working in. And that's really exciting. And some of their personal relationships with exactly. like, local people. And that's yeah. quite cool. And one of the things I've been looking at quite recently is the differences between the way women write their material. So their diaries or letters, but also their excavation diaries and the way men do it. And a really nice contrast is uh, between Mabel Bent and Theodore Bent. So Theodore Bent is really well known for traveling all around the Cyclades and this great man who excavates and publishes these amazing books about the Cyclades. But actually his wife, Mabel, kept a diary, which is now published, and it is so insightful about what's going on in the Cyclades at the end of the 19th century, you know, local customs, what the villagers are doing, you know, these things, the everyday things that we don't normally get from the kind of... So she
0: did an ethnography, and he did
1: (laughs) It's really nice. And we see that a little bit, kind of, without deliberate intention in the archives that we have. And the other thing that we have is the Finlay Archive. And because of the anniversary of the 1821 Wars of Independence, quite a lot of work has been done on the role of British Philhellenism Mm. in the Greek War of Independence. So we have those archives as well that we're working on. And really, as an institution, our whole raison d'etre should be to try and make all of this material as accessible as possible. Mm. And our archivist works really hard to do that. We are increasingly trying to look for kind of partnerships so mm-hmm. that we can work together with um, scholars who don't necessarily already know about the material, but work together with them to try and digitize material, yeah. bring it out, publish it, and things like that. So
0: yeah, I think I've met your last digital archivist, I might have been a volunteer, but yeah, at the the last instance I was here and just describing like many, many hours and going through these old stacks and old books. And, and actually she became quite fascinated with the materials herself. She's like, maybe I would to read this. Yeah, so, for sure. Because yeah, it's, it's, it's just such an interesting personal record. And and I think you're right. I think people do connect more to that stuff, interestingly, than maybe just the field notes. Yeah. Per se,
1: so and it's also interesting i mean and and you'll know this too people like connecting with images so if it's drawings of pots or drawings of small finds people are fascinated yeah. by that in the diary photographs and it doesn't really matter what's you know whether the photograph is meant to be of an archaeological site or of a village or whatever it is it's or people i yeah. mean it's all translated through
0: a human hand we
1: become much more
0: interested yeah <laughs> right exactly exactly <laughs> So you've talked a little bit about the types of research that's going on here for you and kind of an an interesting entry point to the mission statement for the BSA. And I think one thing that might be really useful and as well quite interesting is finding out what
1: sort of resources are here for people. What's coming up for the BSA? Oh, that's a great question. Thank you. We fulfill kind of two main research aims. One is to support and facilitate Other people's research. So, if you are a UK or an international scholar who is interested in working in Greece, you can come to the BSA and we can help give you permits for seeing material in museums or doing field work or provide the library, which has all these amazing resources 24 hour access if you happen to be a member, archival material. But we also have the Fitch Laboratory as well. So we provide these kinds of resources as well as having our own program of research at the same time. So I mentioned the Fitch Laboratory. So that's coming up for its 50th anniversary in uh, 2024. So that's really exciting for us.
0: What types of materials do you guys work on in the Fitch Laboratory?
1: Um, Mostly pottery analysis through chemical analysis. They uh, um, try to understand the origin of the material that's in the pottery And through that, then it goes on to ask and answer bigger questions. For example, the transfer of technological know-how, recipes for good pots. Things like that, where the good clay beds are. Mm-hmm. But also, then, you know, the Fitch are really kind of focusing on uh, mobility. So, not just potter mobility, but where the pottery is traveling to, understanding movement of people at various different points. And they work from, you know, prehistoric all the way through to contemporary periods. And they've got amazing collaborations. So, they're collaborating with the University of Newcastle on material in Tintagel oh cool. in England. So, <laughs> it's a really amazing project mm-hmm. there and with colleagues in Turkey and in Bulgaria, and they're part of a huge number of networks as well. But the Fitch is also a really good example of how, although the BSA is founded in 1886, it's got a very forward-looking view. So it takes all those more than 100 years of tradition and understanding but uses it almost to try and push ourselves into the future. So looking at innovative ways of thinking about archaeology, thinking about pottery, thinking about projects, but not just that, but thinking about the way we interact with our local community here in Athens and and in Knossos, where the other part of the school is.
0: Would that include
1: um, a degree to which you involve uh, local archaeologists? I mean, the Fitch Laboratory does a lot of work on collaborating with the Greek Archaeological Service, as do we, through the library, but through the archives as well, through Knossos, because, they, of course, at Knossos, you don't just have the small BSA at Knossos, but also the Stratigraphic Museum,
0: large, um, where large
1: large all the finds, well, well, not all the finds, but a, a large number of finds are kept uh, from the Knossos area excavations. And there, our Knossos curator, Christakis is amazing at making the resources available as much as he possibly can. And we're taking a really big leaf out of his book because he does amazing community. I keep saying amazing. He does, <laughs> he does excellent community engagement. So every summer they have a Knossel summer programme where they have, say, artists or music. They have public lectures and things like that. And Costista did these fantastic tours with uh, school children as yeah. well and kind of behind the scenes tours and so we've started to do a lot more of that here in Athens so we've had a regular program for young archaeologists so for primary and secondary school kids who've been coming to the BSA every other Saturday and our school students and fellows have been running this amazing course for them oh that's wonderful <laughs> it's fantastic. and the other thing we've been doing is every other Wednesday we've had a group of unaccompanied minors so refugee children who have mm-hmm no parents with them so they come every other Wednesday to the BSA and we under the auspices of of learning about archaeology and pottery but it's much more than that it's about engaging with them and talking to them about where they're from and understanding you know the various different things that make them tick and also to be honest with you it's a good language lesson for everybody <laughs> as well the communication difficulties are real I can imagine but
0: also like what an incredibly welcoming and I have not heard anywhere else doing that in the same way so that's really that's really good well, it's been really nice I feel like I would be remiss if I didn't mention this but you are one of three women to hold the post of director at the British School of Athens since its opening in
1: 1886 what's that like Pretty awesome. It's lots of fun. And what is really nice about the BSA at the moment is that it's mostly women (laughs) who are here. (laughs) So if you go into the Fitch Laboratory, it's all women in white coats. And so, as a kind of symbol of women in STEM, we've got it right here. It's brilliant. It has a certain amount of its own challenges in terms of my childcare arrangements. My children are 12 and 14. And they're boys (laughs) (laughs) lots of running around space (laughs) here fortunately (laughs) and but everybody's been incredibly welcoming and incredibly understanding of you know those kinds of family circumstances and to be honest with you that's the way life is nowadays really isn't it and I couldn't think of a nicer place to have my children in academia at the moment and they really enjoy meeting the students. They really enjoy helping out after the lectures. Oh, and things good. So um, long may that last anyway. Yeah. I
0: was just thinking like if, if I had
1: been transported to Athens at their age, I would have been
0: thrilled <laughs> <laughs> out of the rain of Vancouver into this glorious, beautiful, bustling city. But yeah, no, that's very cool. It does
1: make a change for St. Andrews so where we're very... That's- cozy and it's easy life is really easy in St Andrews and now they're in this great big city and they're taking full advantage of it it. yeah and learning the metros
0: and all that cool stuff it's wonderful yeah one of the things that I have discussed in a few different places is classical reception and this kind of ties into this question about um, the changing direction of uh, academia and who gets to be in charge and who gets to direct these interesting programs and make it an inclusive place and welcome and do that kind of stuff. And the discipline is growing ever more inclusive and diverse. And I feel like an appointment like yours and how you're using it actually makes that statement true in a way. Like last year I did an online seminar with classics for all in Scotland. And we talked about like, what is the history of classics? What is classical reception? What are the dangers? What are the advantages? And, and we really did emphasize how much the voices are growing within the discipline and, and diversifying. And you've just made such an, an excellent example of that. It really, this place is not just, you know, it's not a boys club. Like it's it's very much for everybody. Um, and that's a really cool t- trajectory to see this discipline go into.
1: That's really nice for you to say that. I think it's really important for colleagues to, to have role models in a way I don't mm, yeah. I don't know that role models is the word I want to use but it's very difficult if you're a woman and you finish your PhD and you think well do I have to make a choice mm-hmm. at this point and you know sometimes you do sometimes you don't but it's easier to see a way forward if you can see any, any examples, examples of it? Yeah. I suppose I mean that sounds very airy fairy and fluffy doesn't it it's not easy
0: (laughs) no but it's it's equally like if you don't see it can't conceive it
1: yeah it's important so and the vast majority of our students are women and I think I mean I don't know in your PhD cohort I think they're probably majority women as well in general in the humanities and archaeology it does
0: tend to actually be women on all the field schools I would work on it was 75 to 80 yeah. percent women so, yeah which is great yeah
1: <laughs> and you know what's really nice is that the other directors of all the other foreign schools in athens vast majority are women and it's, <laughs> yes. it's and the directors of all the other berries which are the british international research institutes they're all women too so it's, what, it's amazing I know it really is so the director of the American School Bonna Westcott uh she's amazing and we share some of her students with St Andrews too so okay. it's really 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 nice oh,
0: excellent well this is very cool to hear so you know to anybody who's who thinks it's an old stuffy thing that we need to get rid of you're absolutely wrong <laughs> and classics is innovative and fun and it's moving forward so <laughs> As somebody who's traveled extensively for your research and you really lived the life of an archaeologist and an academic doing the cool things that people want to do when they when they think about studying these things. What are some, I don't want to say like guiding principles, but what are what are some things that you've learned on that journey of fieldwork and research and becoming well-published and well-known?
1: And- so I think that unless you go and see the site, It's really difficult to get a a good understanding of the history, the long term development over time use of that site. And I think the work that you're doing, Sophia, is so critical. I mean, there's not that many people who have the opportunities to travel or if they do, then it makes it difficult or there are Mm -hmm. other things, there are other kind of tensions that make it difficult to travel to see your site and I would absolutely say that it's a fundamental part of one's research to, mm-hmm. particularly for archaeology, but to go and see the material that you're writing about in context as much as you possibly can. And the practicalities are difficult. It's difficult to get the funding, it's difficult to get the time, but if anyone can do it, then it's definitely worth it. You get such a, I mean, even look at looking back at Theodore Bent and Mabel Bent's yeah. work, I mean, they travelled because they got a better understanding of what they're doing. And I'm I'm the kind of person who I love learning about countries, but I really learn when I'm there Absolutely. And, and experiencing it. And I can understand the geography much better and the topography. And yes, You yeah. get these insights that you can't possibly understand without being
0: there. I think one of the
1: things that really surprised me was
0: the last time I came to Greece, I was driving again and I hadn't really ever conceived of what the Ibs' agricultural hinterland looked like. And then I drove through and I was like, oh, that's quite interesting. Yeah. And then, you know, thinking about the the toing and froing of the Spartans to every other conflict that they were involved in. <laughs> and then you'd go there and you're like, oh, my God, they must have been fit because these mountains are insane. Yeah. And it's so rugged. And I mean, it's beautiful, but it's you know, challenging. I and mean,
1: you can also see why they were able to keep up this kind of, oh, Sparta is so militaristic because they're so difficult to get to and yeah. so surrounded by the mountains nobody's going to go down and check it out just no. just, just even driving out was challenged just
0: yeah noble. yeah yeah no you're absolutely right and there's sure. something very um i think if, so i don't really have like a, a religious bent but if there's any magic in the world for me it's actually going to places and seeing it and having the little bits of history fall into the place of,
1: of the actual spaces sure and you learn from this from space to space as well yeah. like you know going to delos can't be replicated on one level but your experience there will help trigger other things when you go to other sites exactly you know for your site for example at the sanctuary of the egyptian gods on thera yeah it's very hard to look at a photograph of that and understand how it works yeah because the... it really doesn't make sense <laughs> <laughs> i kept mislabeling it on a map I'm like what am i even looking at And yeah, yeah. Like,
0: ah yes yeah. standing here i can now understand exactly. you so no you're you're totally right
1: and also the interactive views where they, you know, the view that you get between Anafi and Thera and Thera and Anafi and understanding yeah. those kinds of Which relationships. to each other across
0: the board. Yeah, way. just fabulous. As well as the, how fast it is to actually get to and from these places. I think we just imagine things in the past are so much harder because they were equally, it's very doable. And, you know, walk, if you have to walk for, 30 days to get somewhere you'll walk for 30 days to get there yeah so yeah you you really do get such an interesting uh, experiential view of the world in antiquity by
1: going so Amorgos I don't know if you've ever been to Amorgos so that's a really interesting one because it's three kind of different parts to the island and the the tarmac road I think wasn't put in until the 90s and it changed the way the island functioned then because then the three major towns were connected to each other. So, oh, that's cool. place. Interesting. Now,
0: one of the big things that
1: I talk a lot about on this podcast is public
0: engagement. And I've got a few different guests coming up in the future. One of them does uh, YouTube videos about archaeological sites, as well as some classical engagement and classical reception studies through TV and film. But one of the things that I think would be really interesting if you have time is to kind of talk us through where you see the BSA going in terms of engaging with audiences maybe globally, Mm -hmm. because I can definitely see what you guys are doing locally. And then within the community of uh, researchers, there's lots of local archaeologists and academics and Researchers who who come and give talks at the BSA, yeah, um, which is quite cool all year round. You have a very healthy and robust speaker series going on, even during COVID. Like, which was really
1: impressive. There was still people presenting through you know, online means as well, so that's been very cool. I mean, that was John Bennett and Michael Loy, who were the director and the assistant director during COVID. They did an amazing job of, you know, suddenly turning on a turning on a dime to just turn everything into online and make everything available as much as they possibly could for people who wanted to keep up with what's going on in terms of research and we've kept that to a certain degree so most of our upper house seminars which we have most mondays are dual delivery and that's really nice because you get that kind of continuous interaction then from people abroad as well as then the audience too so that engagement, you know, it's, it's well
0: set up. There's always room for more growth. And, you know, that's clearly happening. Well, where do you think the BSA can get to more people, maybe outside of academia? Or what kind of
1: things would do you think they might be interested in hearing about? Great question. And one of the things that we did in March was we did a collaboration with the British Embassy and the British Council. On a festival of writing. And so, what we did was, we got academics who work on the theme of the journey in ancient literature, but also experiences of the journey in the past as well, and travel writers, two contemporary travel writers. And we put them together with people who work on travel writing in the past. We put them together with contemporary poets who work on the theme of the journey, contemporary authors who write about the journey, novelists. Mm and it was amazing it was really 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 eye-opening and I think everybody who participated had a really amazing two days understanding what each other's disciplines are doing but also trying to pull out some themes and grow their own set of ideas and things like that it was great that's That's the kind of thing Um, I think we have lots more potential for doing you know rooting ourselves in what we're good at which is Archaeology, ancient history, philology uh, and contemporary Greek, modern Greek studies, but also trying to contribute to either creative processes in Mm -hmm. contemporary literature or writing or politics or better understandings of mobility, Mm -hmm. forced migration, things like that. And I've already answered the so what question, haven't I now? Yes. I
0: I can't put you on the spot. You preempted it. Well played. That's why you're the master. (laughs) I am the pupil. Well, I know you guys are incredibly busy today, so I don't want to keep you long. Any parting words, any last bit of advice for anyone interested in, any young scholars out there listening to you right now thinking, do I go into classics?
1: Always go into classics. (laughs) Look, I mean, So there are different stages, right? If you love classics and you're going to go to university and you're thinking, oh, I really love classics, but it's not going to get me a job. Study classics because you need to do what you love at university and your degree will always count for something. It is an amazing preparation for all sorts of different kinds of jobs, be it teaching law, foreign service, lots and lots and lots of kind of different jobs. It'll give you an appreciation for the past that will last you all your life. And so when you travel, it'll become a a much more fruitful appreciation. I totally
0: agree, though. I think one of the things people always say to me is like, oh, I wish I could go on a trip with you there because you you would be able to bring this alive for me in a way that I just can't. And I'm like, you're right yeah so take me with yeah yeah but it's true you can definitely you can tell the stories connect it to literature and yeah. art and things that are happening right now always because we love to
1: recycle <laughs> <As a society. laughs> it's true so if you are thinking about classics as a career or archaeology as a career I would always say to people give it a shot yeah It is hard work, but everything is hard work and it's incredibly satisfying, but you put the work into it and then it will be satisfying. You meet the most amazing people and you get to teach the most amazing students (laughs) (laughs) like Sophia and it's a great job. It's a really, I mean, imagine having your job as being the thing that really drives you as well. Yeah. Just getting to think about the thing you love. Yeah.
0: And then writing about it on very strict deadlines. Yeah, writing about it is not so bad. <laughs> <laughs> Even I would agree with that. <laughs> really? Well, Rebecca, thank you so much for coming on the show. It has been an absolute delight. Having thank you.
1: To your oh, you're great. Thanks, Sophia. Oh,
0: you're no, amazing. No problem. And so I would like to also thank our listeners for tuning in to the fantastic Professor Sweepin. If you would like to find out more about the BSA or apply to use their brilliant library, apply for some of their research opportunities or courses or funding, it is an excellent institution. uh, And you can find out more on their website at bsa.ac.uk. And if you are considering donating, this institution is worthy of your donations, so give it a thought. I will include links in the show notes to connect you to the BSA and Rebecca's academic work to share anything new and exciting coming out of the Institute. So if you have not already done so, please rate and review Two Friends Talk History on Apple Podcasts. It takes just a second, helps people find the show. Don't forget to hit subscribe or follow on whatever platform you listen to so you never miss an episode. You can follow the exciting things going on at the BSA through their social media on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and just search British School at Athens. You can also follow the show on Talk History and my website, arceoartist.com. See you soon with new friends on Two Friends.